Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, and Tom Campbell is our guest. Tom uh, just finished on December 25th, the last edition of North Carolina Spin, uh, a uh, weekly part of our lives since 1998, uh, and now is uh, going to be a frequent guest on our program, as he has been for years, because he's still going to be writing his column and all that sort of thing. And Tom, we want to get your views and opinions on the challenges, and we're going to start with the state government. A couple of things that are sort of surprising is we all anticipated that uh, the federal, the, the state budget was probably going to be uh, limited because of the COVID-19 situation. As it turns out, the state budget is not in bad, as bad a shape as anyone thought. Uh, we have a general assembly that is uh, still Republican controlled, but uh, the margins are not as big. Uh, we have a Democratic government, governor. So what do you forecast is going to happen in the state of North Carolina in the year 2021? I think we have to begin by giving some praise to uh, our legislature for wisely understanding that their, our, our, our uh, budget and economy in the state government has, is cyclical. It's up and it's down. And they were wise enough to put aside some money so that if we got into one of those down cycles, uh, we'd, we wouldn't get into a situation where we had to raise taxes. Now, that said, uh, because of the fact that they hadn't passed a budget since 2017, because of the fact that the economy wasn't really as bad as it had been uh, expected to be or, or projected to be, they're sitting there with four and a half billion dollars in available money and a billion dollars in that rainy day fund. So they've got money to spend. Now, we can argue at another time whether or not they've been too uh, miserly so far as spending for schools or, or whatever like that. Uh, but the point is that we've got money. Now, here's, here's the thing that I think is the great opportunity in 2021. This is an opportunity for uh, statesmen to emerge. Uh, I think that people of North Carolina are tired of uh, all of the animus and all of the divisive rhetoric and all of the arguments that have gone on in North Carolina between our legislature and our, our governor, the lawsuits, the vetoes, all, they're just tired of this mess. I think it is time for uh, the leaders of our state to come together and say, okay, folks, it's, it's now time for us to work for the common good of the people of North Carolina. Now, there's several things I think they can do that would be good uh, examples to demonstrate to us that they get it. The first one would be uh, to pass a bipartisan, a nonpartisan uh, redistricting commission. This is going to be one of those years, if, if the census ever concludes, and it's still not concluded, uh, it's going to be one of those years when we redistrict legislative districts, congressional districts, judicial districts, all kinds of districts in, across the state. If they would follow through and uh, set up a nonpartisan uh, redistricting commission so that uh, elected officials were no longer choosing their voters, the voters were choosing the elected officials. I think that'd be a great first step, and I think it would signify to the people of this state that there are some new times and new days. 
I think they could go further with this and work together to pass a budget. As I say, we haven't had a budget since 2017 that was passed. The 2018 budget uh, is still in effect today. I mean, four years later, uh, it's still in effect. So I think if they could come together and, and reach some agreements so that we didn't have vetoes on a budget, if we didn't have lawsuits and court cases that were resulting from this, I think it would be another good signal. And I think they ought to take a lot of that money and put it toward uh, rebuilding or restoring or building the public infrastructure in North Carolina. Uh, there are many of water and sewer systems, there are roads, there are all kinds of school buildings, there are all kinds of public infrastructure needs that are really just screaming at us because we really haven't been paying a lot of attention to them. Uh, this would be a good thing, kind of like the Public Works Administration or the Civilian Conservation Corps that Franklin Roosevelt started. It put people to work, give them paychecks, and it would also uh, signal to folks that we're coming out of this pandemic and North Carolina is a state that's ready to lead. Tom, uh, one of the things that, uh, of course, North Carolina has a balanced budget requirement. And of course, as you said, we have some surplus money. And so it gets a little easier and we're getting federal aid right and left. Now, the federal government, on the other hand, uh, has been charged with keeping the economy going. And most of the economists are in agreement that uh, increasing the national debt during this time was the only solution yes. uh, to keep from having a situation. But nonetheless, the federal debt is at an all-time high. The federal government is looking at uh, still a recovery period of time. Uh, we are probably looking at some additional stimulus needs. Um, uh, are you worried about where the federal uh, deficit is? No, because we've got printing presses and we can print whatever we want to. It's no longer backed up by a gold standard. I think, I think at some point in time, uh, we've got to be concerned about future generations and what we're leaving them so far as debt. But this isn't the time, uh, I, I think, to, to all of a sudden decide. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I saw Lindsey Graham all of a sudden has become very worried about the deficit and debt. Well, he wasn't worried about the deficit and the debt when he passed that tax cut, which, which increased the federal deficit by over a billion dollars a year. He wasn't worried about it when he passed the first of the stimulus packages that took place uh, earlier this year. But, but now all of a sudden he's become worried about all of this. I don't think that this is as large. I, I think that the big obligation that our federal government has right now similar to you can like his politics or not like his politics, but FDR was the right man at the right time in America's history to help get us out of that great depression uh, that took place in, in 1929. We've got to come out of this. And, and sadly, the people you talked earlier about the people who have prospered during this period of time, it's not the lower income people. It's not even the middle income people. It's people who are in the middle to upper income ranges who have really seen the great benefits uh, from the economy in the last few years. We got to do something to close that income gap. Tom, I, uh, you uh, clearly, we know that uh, your dog is uh, a friend of Lindsey Graham because as you mentioned his name, he began to bark. Actually, my daughter came to the door 
she tells you hello, by the way. Uh, and and uh, she came to the door and that always sets up. I have two dogs now, by the way. Uh, and so that sets up the dogs barking. I see. Okay. Well, I thought maybe it was your uh, comments about Lindsey Graham that was doing it. Uh, I want to turn to another uh, sort of change uh, the subject a little bit now and talk about the federal government, because, again, they have unique needs. And, of course, every state in the union is a little different. Uh, You alluded to the uh, census. We're probably going to gain a little bit more statue because we'll probably gain a congressman. Right. Uh, And that's going to change the congressional districts tremendously. How do you see that redistricting happening? Uh, And uh, who will benefit from that? Will it be the Democrats or the Republicans? Well, it just depends on whether or not they they form this nonpartisan redistricting commission. Uh, I think the legislature has demonstrated. And by the way, this is not just a Republican or a Democrat issue. Because you remember the days when the Democrats were in charge of North Carolina and they were gerrymandering districts about as badly as anybody you could imagine. But that's exactly what has happened with Republicans in North Carolina. Uh, I remember David Lewis, who was House chairman of redistricting. He said the only reason why we have 11 Democrats, uh, 11 Republicans in Congress from North Carolina is we couldn't figure out how to draw a district for a 12th one. Uh, So, you know, I, I think that that is a problem. I think that as we are growing, the growth is taking place in urban areas. Uh, So the urban areas are going to see more distribution so far as congressional seats are concerned. The rural areas are going to see fewer. Uh, I think by by that very fact, we probably will see more Democrats in our congressional delegation. But I still think that Republicans will hold a plurality of seats. And also, as we continue to grow in population uh, and move up the ladder, uh, as far as the uh, presidential election four years hence, North Carolina becomes uh, an important state again because we are truly an absolute purple state. I mean, we're going to see some other something else is going to be unique here. The baby boomer generation and the greatest generation, the World War Two generation are dying out. We're going to see the millennials, the generation Ys are going to come in and they're going to start taking over political power in North Carolina. And it's going to be interesting to see the changes that are going to evolve when they come in and start really exercising and flexing their muscles. So you're telling me that Jason Kong and his friends will be running things? Yes. And, And I will tell you, there will be some who are afraid of that. Uh, I'm excited about it. Because I think these these young people, they're the ones that are going to have to pay the prices. You talked about uh, debt. They're the ones that are going to end up having to pay the price for all of this stuff. They might as well have a voice in deciding who's going to be the leaders. Well, uh, and of course, this is not something that is new. We've been having new generations take over for years. And, and uh, new ideas and new thought processes are always welcome in a democracy. And uh, that's what we have. Uh, and... Uh, you, you, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers, which is coming up. Our, our guest is Tom Campbell. I, I've left myself with not enough time to ask another question in this segment. But in the final segment, we're going to get back and uh, talk a little bit about uh, one of my interesting concerns, and that's the number of unaffiliated voters. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Okay, men, this is your time. 
Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Tom Campbell. He's been a frequent guest of our program. He just finished taping his 1154th program of North Carolina Spin, which was the final program. And uh, Tom has been a part of the political scene in North Carolina because of that program for now uh, since 1998. Uh, 22 years, and uh, we're always interested in hearing Tom's comments. Tom, one of the things I wanted to talk about, there's two things I want to talk about in this segment. One is, what is the future of the Republican Party, and how has Donald Trump and his relationship with the Republican Party uh, set the stage for the next two or three years for the Republicans? But the other thing I want to talk about a little bit is the increasing number of unaffiliated voters. And I'll tell you what I'm concerned about is when someone registers unaffiliated, they essentially take themselves out of the pool of being a part of the appointed or elected uh, population. I mean, uh, the elected uh, public servants. So about uh, one third of our population now cannot participate in the political process except by voting. That disturbs me because there's a lot of talented people in that pool. I'm one of them. Um, And I think if you have told me in the past you're one of them too. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm, I'm registered unaffiliated. Yeah. However, let's let's be very clear about this. Just because you're registered unaffiliated doesn't mean that you don't have any affinity whatsoever. The statistics will show that unaffiliated v- voters lean left or lean right, and so given all things being equal, uh, Republicans can count on a certain percentage of these unaffiliateds voting for them, Democrats for them. I do think this, in the next couple of years, we're going to see unaffiliated voters grow and are going to be larger in number than either the Democrats or the Republicans. Okay, but here's, here's, what I'm, here's the concern I've got. Those people are not candidates or possible candidates because they don't have the backing of either the Democrats. They, can, they, can, they will, in their votes, they will... Uh, uh, participate yeah. in that. But what's bothering me is that's a large number of people to take out of the pool of potential leaders. Well, one of the things that I think needs to happen is that we need to lower the threshold of 
what has to happen for somebody to register to run for public office. Right yeah. now, you have to get a certain number of signatures. That number, that threshold is excessively high. I think as unaffiliated voters gain more strength, I think you're going to see that uh, as a movement because uh, that sort of feeds into what you were talking about before. I, I personally am of the opinion that political parties are archaic and are, are uh, just out of step with the world. There used to be a time when I first got in politics back in the 60s that if the Democratic Party selected a, a candidate, then that candidate got endorsed all the way down to the county. And, the, and, and then every county had an organization, a structure, and they were responsible for raising money. They were responsible for candidate appearances. They were responsible for getting out their own votes. The, the political parties no longer have that kind of clout anymore. And uh, I think they are, uh, frankly, dinosaurs insofar as, as uh, politics is concerned. Now, they are still uh, lumbering around the world and still have some clout. I think Donald Trump may end up being the person who destroys the political party structure in this country. Um, I've got so many friends, like, like for instance, our, our mutual friend, Bob Orr, former Supreme Court justice, Republican all his life, but he signed on to this Lincoln project because he just absolutely deplores Donald Trump and what he's done in the name of Republicans. Uh, Donald Trump really isn't a Republican. Now, uh, I do not understand exactly why his party has been so willing to go along with him lockstep, although uh, he, is such, uh, he, he is such a bully that he has promised to primary candidates if they didn't follow and, and uh, adopt his, his way of thinking. But I think after this is all over and done with, that's going to change and change dramatically, and I'll tell you why. I think that the courts in New York are on to Donald Trump for all kinds of corruption and misrepresentations so far as loans and so far as other activities are concerned. I have every idea in the world that before the next congressional election, which will be in 22, that Donald Trump will be seriously indicted or maybe even convicted. Uh, Republicans are going to have to figure out who they are and figure out what kind of party they have left. If they don't, then the folks who are in that Lincoln project are going to go out and form their own party. Now, if they do that, that just turns the, the whole political spectrum over to Democrats. They certainly don't want that. And so I, the, the Republican Party, I think, has a very cloudy future. And I think they're going to have to sit down and do some really serious soul searching about what it is they believe and who they're willing to follow uh, in the future. The interesting thing about uh, the uh, about Donald Trump is he has this core of people who just will follow him regardless to whatever he says or does, and yet then you have another group of people who legitimately uh, uh, voted for him or, or participated with him because of the issues that he did uh, accomplish a number of things. For example, you know the the Mid East. He obviously yeah, had some done, success. Yeah, you have to admit he's done some good stuff. Yeah, I, you know the thing I don't understand about Donald Trump is he uh, did not take credit for warp uh, speed uh, like he should have. Yeah, yeah, because I mean well, he's he, so angry and, yeah. and he's so narcissistic. But but here's here's the thing: Trump 
is a cult leader. Now, you can cut this and slice it any way you want to, but the Donald Trump movement is a cult. And Donald Trump is the biggest con man that we've seen in this in this nation's history because his email address is T Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right. But but seriously, I mean, it is it is the type of thing where I've never seen any situation before where someone was able to mesmerize an entire party. Uh, he's he's like I say, he's a con man. Well, you know, we, we were talking about uh, Donald Trump. And, and, and by the way, you know, we, we uh, essentially let our guests have a lot of latitude in what they say because we think this is important, uh, an important part of the, of the uh, journalistic aspect Is of this program. Nice what, saying you don't agree with what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I was just going to say that I am planning a program a little later on where we have a, a Donald Trump supporter on to talk about Donald Trump and, and, uh, and why uh, they still support him and uh, follow him. And as you said, it is sort of like a cult following. I think even those who are Donald Trump fans, when they look at it, they, they realize that it is like a cult and, and they see nothing wrong with that. Uh, and then on that same program, I'm going to have someone from the Republican Party who's saying, OK, well, how do we go on from here? So that's that's an up and coming program. Uh, that we're doing. Well, Tom, uh, we've got about a minute for you to wrap up and say, what What do you think we're going to look forward to in January? What's coming up in the news in January? I think we're going to get this president, uh, a new president inaugurated. I think we're going to, to finally see inoculations uh, ramp up to the point where uh, old folks like you and me are going to be able to get our shots. And uh, I think by June or July, this is going to be uh, have been done to the point where we're going to start seeing a return to normalcy in our lives. Well, uh, that's uh, I think a lot of people are joining you in that. And uh, it looks like, uh, you know, essentially somewhere around April or May, things will begin to get to be a little bit more normal, a little bit yes. more like we were accustomed to before all this happened. Right. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to having you back on again. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong. And if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can do so by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com. And you can hear a repeat or uh, hear the segments that you might have missed. Uh, Until next week, same time, same station. We hope that you and yours have a good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.